This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 439 of the Dressage Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network, brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products and Total Saddle Fit. Tonight, we're going to talk with, to one of my students who will help me to try to summarize the Carl Hester Clinic we attended last weekend. And we will also have one of Reese's students on who recently won an international two-star eventing competition. Reese Koffler Stanfield from Georgetown, Kentucky. And this is Philip Parks from Rockwood, Ontario, and you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show. Hi, Phil. Hi, Reese. We haven't talked in a couple of weeks. So, uh, I know. It's good to get back together and talk I about know, some miss dressage. everybody. I know, I miss everybody for sure. Yeah, and we have a great show this week. And next week, you are coming down to visit me. Super yeah. excited. You're going to, Phil's coming to coach me at the national finals. So I, I needed somebody and I called Phil and he said, I'm coming. So it was a phone a friend situation. It was a phone a friend. I'm like, I need somebody. And get he, the eyes, it was get the eyes on the ground. Super excited about it. So it'll be really fun to have you come. And, and next week here are the finals in Kentucky. So I think people are getting getting ready to come or on their way. It's a huge show and gets bigger and bigger every year. So it should be a lot of fun to to have everybody in, in Lexington. And uh, we really should put up some fun places to eat and some fun places to do. But certainly feel free to always send me an email if you have any questions and, and need and some local advice. I'm happy to give it to everyone here that's coming to Kentucky. So should be a fun week. Um, perfect, but we were, Perfect. What's the, we, what's the weather? That's all I care about. What's the weather? No snow. Well, I would, <laughs> I would like to give you a good report. I will tell you today it was beautiful and 70 degrees. Yesterday, I think it was 30 and raining. Yeah. So, could be anything. Little, it could be really anything. I mean, literally today I was in a t-shirt and yesterday I was shaking at the end of the day. It was so cold. So I would love to give you, that's a little bit the tricky part of Kentucky in November. It can be, uh, it's absolutely gorgeous. Like when the sun came out, the this afternoon. Oh, it was great. I mean, it's really pretty and the leaves are still up and it's quite nice. So we'll, we'll fingers crossed that it's going to stay that way. Um, so yes, cause, yeah, uh, okay. We'll take, yeah. we'll take it as it comes. Shall yeah. We? I, I can't, I can't promise you Phil, but what I just step it up and get the inside heated stalls. So that's nice. <laughs> It'll right, be a perfect. little warmer for us. So, uh, but I, I can tell well, everybody. Yeah, sorry. I was just going to say there was some sad news in dressage world this this week, and I know that uh, a friend of yours had passed away. Maybe you want to tell us a little bit about him. Absolutely. I think a lot of people, um, certainly in in this area in Florida, knew uh, Jimmy Mandela. He uh, died uh, this week on uh, Halloween, and Jimmy was just a wonderful person. He was a steward for Global. He worked at Global, and um, but I, I met him at Gladstone in uh, 2009, um, and he was a dear friend of mine. And uh, I got to see him a little bit this summer, and we got to actually cook a really really fun. We spent the entire day cooking a meal for everyone at Hassler Dress. So uh, my heart goes out to um, all of Jimmy's friends. Uh, really, we lost one of our, our dressage angels this week. So it was a really sad week for all of us. But um, I know he will be, uh, he will 
rest in peace. And, uh, and he's looking down at all of us and we'll certainly be that doing that at the finals. So, uh, love to everybody that knew Jimmy and, uh, we'll be thinking about him for sure. So, well, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. To, yeah, I'm sorry to hear the, the bad news. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. But, um, but uh, you know, we have a great show today. Uh, we do. We have a couple of our students on. Yeah, we're going to have the student show, right? <laughs> We've not done a student show. It didn't actually, we didn't even actually plan it that way. But really uh, yeah, <laughs> but I think our first guest you'll really enjoy. She's 17 and she's quite a young star in the venting world. But uh, uh, we started working together this summer and uh, I, I changed the dressage program a little bit and made her actually go to some dressage shows. So she's going to talk a little bit about that and um, how she just won her first two star international event. I hope you enjoy uh, our discussion with Alexandra. Well, tonight, we are so happy to have Alexandra Baugh. She was just named to the USEF Eventing 18 squad, and she just won her two-star, her first two-star event, which is a big deal for eventers. Uh, Alex, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Well, we are super excited. So you have to tell us, because we're going to eventually get to dressage, but we want to hear a little bit about you and your horse and uh, what you just won, because it was a big deal for Eventland, and you are 17, which is even bigger deal. So tell us a little bit about you and Mango. Yeah, um, Mango and I, we, I got him two years ago. He was kind of a lucky find. Um And then we've just been working towards this goal of moving up to the upper levels. Um, So I guess this past weekend, a little milestone came true. Um, Not only did I complete my first two-star, but I was able to um, have my first international win under my belt, which was really exciting. I think Huge. Very huge. Yeah, very huge. And the (laughs) two-star level would be similar to, right, our sort of... It's not quite grom. It, it's kind of intermediate one, intermediate two, or uh, yeah, I two somewhere in the yeah, I two. Yeah. It's 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 not quite to the advanced level. Three stars advanced, right, Alex? But it's it's just under. Yep. So so that's sort of the level yeah. that you're competing when we kind of put it in dressage terms. So that's a that's getting way up the levels for sure. So Alex, in okay. in your dressage test, in your dressage test, what uh, what kind of stuff do you have to do at, in the two star level? What does it include? Um, well, with the two-star, they introduced the half-pass and the turn on the haunches to the left and the right. That was kind of introduced. And then we have our counter canners, serpentines, and then we don't have flying lead changes yet, but we do have transition simple changes through the walk. Yeah, and what are some? What was some of the difficulty learning that test? Um, definitely the turn on the haunches, because I've <laughs> never done it before. <laughs> I think I learned it a week before the show. <laughs> we, we did. We We did. <laughs> broach that subject pretty quickly well because and we say that because we actually we we are a pretty new team together Alex and I uh, and it's yep. super fun to coach her uh, but we kind of did something a little bit different from you right kind of leading up to the show what what did we do for for all the adventures uh, in event land we did a lot of dressage stuff yes we, um, I made her so we did a test ride try to get mango and do as much dressage Without jumping as possible, which Mango hated, didn't he? I don't. You probably hated it he too. Hated it. But I made you. Yeah, I made you do it anyways. Yeah. <laughs> and don't you think that's Playing a pretty Mango. good tip for eventers? Um, is you know that was one of your issues was you didn't really have that much ring time. You know, you you go to events and you do all that, but yeah. when we start getting up into the the higher upper levels, 
there's a lot more stuff involved. Um, like you said, it's, it's essentially a second level test, um, that you're doing. And so, um, yeah, it was important that we sort of went and worked on those. So, um, what are some things that you find in the, uh, turn on the haunches that are hard and we'll see if we can, can talk it through for a minute. For me personally, with my horse, it's just keeping the rhythm and letting it be fluent. Um, cause he already knows how to do it, but since I'm just learning it, it was kind of like, it wasn't as fluent as I would like it to be. And then just getting the technique of being able to do it on the haunches and then picking up their feet and not making sure they like stray off the line. Yeah, absolutely. Phil, do you have some tips for yeah. turn on the haunches? You're, you're like a turn on the haunches Zen master. <laughs> <laughs> I think one of the things that is, uh, I think really important for a turn on the haunches is to not to make it too small too early because it can ruin a lot of the, like, you know, everybody just tries to kind of, you know, stop the horse and then turn the hind legs around the front legs a little bit. And that is really not the correct way to go about it. So I think this is a, a problem a little bit in the terminology because they call it a turn on the haunches. But uh, when I think of turn on the haunches, when I teach turn on the haunches, you know, early on in the horse's training, you know, I really stop the horse and then just bring the, the front legs around the hind legs. But in, in the test, a turn on the haunches is more like, um, a larger walk pirouette. So I think that that's something I try to explain to people is that it's better to have rhythm in the turn than to have turn more turning. Everybody tries to do all this turning and they have no rhythm and no, and no band and no balance. So the first thing I try to establish uh, in the turn on the haunches is, uh, you know, maybe taking the horse in walk on an eight meter circle and just walking that eight meter. So, I mean, a lot of horses have, have even, uh, a lot of trouble in a small walk circle to maintain the bend and the rhythm. So if you can't do that, then you, you shouldn't be trying to turn the horse's shoulders around. And then the, the, the second step is to establish a little bit of travail on that um, walk circle, that small walk, you know, eight, eight meters, six meters, anywhere in there. And then doing a little bit of travail again, just travail thinking of um, taking the hind legs on just a very slightly smaller track than the forelegs. So the, the forelegs do uh, an eight-meter circle. The hind legs do a seven-and-a-half-meter circle. And because it's all about bend and, like you said, fluidity, so that you can maintain the bend, you can maintain the quality of the walk, and then you have a little bit of travail. Um, I think that that's sort of the introduction that people miss a lot because they try and just you know, kind of stop the horse on the spot, spin around, face the other direction, and get out, and then do the same on the other side. And that's not really what the turn on the forehand, uh, uh, you know, is in, you know, um, has to do within the test. You know, that's more of a practice or, or training way of doing it. But this is more about balance, bend, rhythm. So I think that's that's how I try and describe it and try and help people with it so that they, you know, then, then you just make the circle smaller and smaller and smaller and not, you know, what... The other big problem is that people try and make, uh, you know, a five meter circle with the front legs and a and a no meter circle with the hind legs, and then that's how you lose your rhythm is because the horse, you know, is just stopping and turning or spinning, and you know, you hear all these all this terminology that is is not good, you know, nobody really says you know how to fix it. So always start with it big and work your way very slightly smaller, very slightly smaller, very slightly smaller until you got the four legs doing a three meter circle and the hind legs doing 
a meter half a meter circle then then you then you'll be better off i think yeah that's 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 my fix for the for the walk that's your fix for the the walk alex i know what we're doing tomorrow girlfriend and your lesson (laughs) oh yeah she's excited look at the excitement i get from all my inventors it's so fun (laughs) so so alex tell us a little bit about too you know stuff that we work with in the dressage what has has that helped you out on course when you're you know, galloping really, really, really fast. It's very scary when you do that. <laughs> <laughs> Has, does it help? What, what, why do we do this dressage stuff? Oh, yeah, it definitely helps a lot. Like, I think, especially in the cross country when you're galloping around and you need to maintain so your canner doesn't get flat, um, I think the dressage really helps so that you understand what it's supposed to feel like. So when you go out there and you're going faster, you've already established it and it's easier to maintain. And then I also think, like, for cross country, me personally, like especially with Elmo, he's a bit of a spooky horse now. So I think like leg yields and stuff, if he starts to spook at a corner, you can leg yield him into it so that he'll jump it. And I think that's been a lot, um, been really useful. Yeah. I love it. I love it. So Alex, tell us what is the USCF eventing 18? What does that mean? Um, it's the developing rider program for the riders in the country that um, a selection committee has determined that they think that they will be upper level riders someday. So what they do is it's kind of like a bit of a sponsorship. So, um, I'm going to go down to Ocala, Florida for two weeks in January. They haven't set the dates yet, but when they do, we'll be heading down. And I think they pay for the coaching, um, the stabling, and like the expenses for the horse for the two weeks that you're down there. And then I get a train with Leslie Grant Law, um, who was an individual gold medalist at the Athens 2004 Olympics for eventing. That is so cool. I'm excited. So, so what, what's your plan with both of the horses? You have two, you have two wonderful horses. So what's your plan with them for next year? Um, next year, I think I want to go back to young riders. Um, this past weekend at the two-star, I qualified Mango. So I think just getting to know Elmo and hopefully qualifying him. And then hopefully in the spring around sometime, move up and do the CCI two-star, um, which is just a longer, a bit tougher cross-country course and a bit more technical dressage. And then yes! at the yes! end of the year... <laughs> <laughs> and then at the... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then hopefully in the fall maybe move up to the advanced level i know super there you can see where i'm super excited that i coach alex because it's a lot of fun we have a lot of fun together <laughs> and um you know i do slightly love torturing my event riders and making them go to dressage land um they really hate it but it definitely pays off doesn't it alex it does yeah <laughs> there's been a huge improvement since i started coaching with you Yeah, it's been fun. So, well, we can't wait to kind of keep an eye on you and watch you as you develop. And um, we're super proud of you. And I can't wait to keep working on these walk pirouettes and get them completely fixed for next year. Sounds good. Well, right after this commercial break, we're going to come back with Andrea Scott. And she's going to talk to us a little bit about the Carl Hester Clinic that was in Canada. No words can describe the depth of the bond between a horse and his person. A kiss at the gate just before you turn him out. The soft touch of his muzzle on your hand as he scoops up the treat out of your palm. 
the warmth of his body under your legs as you saunter bareback across the pasture, the beat of his hooves as you gallop in perfect rhythm cross-country, the sensation of flying as you clear the oxer, the sense of peace that comes over you as you walk together down the quiet trail, the sound of him contently eating his dinner, the feel of his warm, soft coat under your hand, the feeling you get when it's just you and your horse. It's why we do what we do at Kentucky Performance Products. This feeling is brought to you by Equijuel. Fight back against an energy crisis that can impact condition and performance. Equijuel is a high-fat, low-starch and sugar formula that was developed to safely meet the energy needs of your horse. The horse that matters to you matters to us. Well, tonight I'm really pleased to have one of my students on the show. We always have Reese's students all the time when they come on. Oh, ouch, Andrea. (laughs) (laughs) I think think you have an easier time uh, getting people to agree to come on the show. and You're you're more (laughs) coercive, perhaps. I guess. But anyway, I am a student student of both of yours. Exactly. (laughs) All right. All right. All right. I have her like most of the time, 10 months or so, and she sees you for two months. So, um, anyways, I thought we'd bring her on because we were, uh, Andrea and I were really lucky to be able to uh, attend and audit the uh, Carl Hester Clinic uh, Symposium that was just uh, held here near Toronto. And we had a wonderful time, and I asked her if she'd come on the show and give us a little bit of um, perspective from uh, an amateur writer, uh, a physiotherapist. Andrea is also a physiotherapist, and and um, I thought we could have fun talking about it. So, hi, Andrea. Welcome to the show. Hello. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So, maybe you could start us off a little bit with an overview of, you know, how the clinic was run and, what you know, what the format was, and uh, we'll go from there. Okay, well, it was a two-day clinic, um, nine to five each day, and uh, 14, I think about 14 riders were selected um, to participate in the clinic, and there was, oh, I think between 1,200 and 1,500 people auditing, so it was very um, well attended and very well run by EMG, and um, which is Equestrian Management Group out of, um, out of Paul Grave, Caledon, Ontario. And, yeah, so we... Um, you know, attended, got our coffee, got our breakfast, and just uh, were introduced um, to Carl, who was very charming. And, um, yeah, he just basically led us through training sessions um, morning and afternoon. And we just got to soak it all in. It was fantastic. Yeah, so I think they they selected um, horses from all age groups. So we got to start actually at the beginning, kind of, well, not the very beginning, but, you know, four-year-old, a couple of four-year-old horses came in. And, uh, you know, in the morning they did those horses, you know, and then they work, you kind of work your way up through the levels, five-year-old and then six-year-old. And then they went to more of the, um, the level of training rather than the age of the horses. And, uh, we got to see all the way up into, all the way up into Grand Prix, which was amazing. And we had great riders in the area to be able to observe and, and kind of learn from. So that was a really a, a great thing. So what, Andrea, what did you think, you know, about from from kind of that perspective, you know, what does a amateur rider kind of take away from watching these kind of more professional lessons? You know, I think with every rider that he 
um, that he trained, there was a little pearl that I took away. And um, so, you know, even when I was watching um, the Grand Prix and the I-1 and I-2 riders and horses, there was always some little thing that um, I thought, you know, I wrote down and I could take back to my barn and and, um, and use for training. You know, I, I think one one of the, uh, the things that stuck with me when I went back to the barn was he talked about how to extend the walk. And I always have troubles with the walk with my horse and um, he talked about using rowing and being a rower in the past and in my younger years I was a rower and um, he just talked about using the body and rowing um, rowing with the arms and the body to extend the walk and it was such a little thing and he he said that with everybody and um, and everybody was trying it and it really made a huge difference for them and when I got home um, it made a huge difference for me just sort of lengthening the walk um, bringing the walk into a more forward and balanced uh, you know extended gait it was it was a great little pearl but um, yeah, it was there was just so many things. I you know I, I wrote like five pages of notes on each day, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I was just such a nerd for this for this course. But um, yeah, I mean, like I said, from even just the four year old horses right up to the Grand Prix, there was um, something for everybody. And myself as an amateur rider, um, you know, I was able to glean little bits of training knowledge, you know, even from watching the Grand Prix riders, which was which was great for me. All right, I, I, I did. I did see you taking a lot of notes, so that's why I thought I'd bring you on because because uh, <laughs> you're such a great note taker. So maybe we just go through. I mean, as many as we can, as we can get through, and as many as we can remember together here. Um, well, how about the four the four year old horses? Is there anything there other than kind of the walk? Because there's not a lot you can do with a four year old, is there? Um, well, not really. I mean, he it was it was just basically. Um, you know, he talked a lot about straightness, and um, that's sort of the most important thing I think that he was talking about with the four-year-olds. And the thing that he concentrates on the most is is straightness, and um, and having a plan every time that you go out there, having a plan when you ride, and um, and and how important stretching was in in the young horse, which is something that I I mean, even though my horse is thirteen, um, I don't really think about it as much. Um, in the past as I do now after having come from this course and, you know, taking stretching breaks and stretching the young horse and just how important it is, um, you know, and where they're carrying their neck. And, um, yeah, so that was a great, uh, a great point for me, even though I have a 13 year old horse, just learning about straightness and stretching and, um, yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think that a lot of us have, um, well, I mean, some of us are very blessed with horses that come kind of very elastic and very stretchy. Um, I think we can mm-hmm. kind of, um, you know, if you're working on the levels, we can kind of forget how important it is to to be stretching the horses and, and to be making them elastic, even if they don't come very elastic, you know. I think sometimes you can mm-hmm. rush into the work, you know, where as maybe yesterday you were working on leg yield, for example, or shoulder in, for example, but you, you're like, okay, I just want to get at that. I just want to you know, go and attack a problem or attack something that was very challenging yesterday without properly warming up the horse over the bag and warming up the stretching. So I think if you really um, spend most of your time on a young horse, on a four-year-old horse, for instance, on, on making them elastic and stretching, and then as you train the horse up through the levels, that you should be returning to that, you know, 
as as you begin your ride, somewhere in the middle of your ride, and then at the end of the ride as well. Because I think, um, actually, I was having a lesson today, and it was there was a reminder like the horse is having tension problems, the horse is having balance problems. So you know, you just get that horse back to walk, stretch it out a little bit, do a little stretch and trot, and and then back to canter again, and and hopefully. The, the tension goes away. It's something really simple and really important to establish right. before you start moving on to other things. Yeah. So I think that's a great point. I know. Well, and yesterday so, I was yeah. working on the canter for the better part of my, you know, my 40 minutes that I was on my horse. And, and you know, it really hit home that I, I stopped in between, you know, I'd work on the left a little bit and, you know, lengthen the canter and shorten the canter. And then, and then you know, I stopped and I did a nice stretch break in between and then I worked on the right side and I, may, and I would never have done that before. Like I never really think of doing that. And so, you know, now I'm sort of stopping, stretching in between and it really makes a big difference when you go back and, um, you know, repeat yeah, the work. Me- mentally the work and physically, side. I think. Just, yeah, yeah for sure. For both things. There's a lot yeah. of tension released and, um, yeah, they just seem so much more supplemental elastic when you have that little bit of a break. So, um, perfect. But that's yeah. for riders yeah. too, wouldn't you say, Andrea, as a physio? I mean, even riders need a little bit of that mental, maybe even physical break, not break, but let down if you're working pretty hard. Would that be also something to think about there? Yeah, I mean, definitely. You know, I find that when I, well, you know, I've got hip problems and back problems, as most of us do. <laughs> do. But, you know, when you're working on, on uh, you know, a particular element and you're working on it for, you know, 15 minutes or 20 minutes and, and you find that you are increasing the tension in your body and your horse is increasing the tension in their body and, you know, to stop and take that little mental break and that stretching break for them, mm-hmm. you know, and just do a nice rising trot and let them stretch down and, and you know, open up your hips when you're doing a rising trot, just releases some of the tension in your body for sure. And it's, yeah, it's good all around. It's good for the whole unit, you know, yeah. the rider's yeah. horse unit. Yeah. Cool. Absolutely. So uh, kind of moving up through the levels and maybe we'll, we'll, if you've got any pearls of wisdom around, you know, the horses that were doing second or third level, did you glean anything from that? Um, like the five-year-olds you mean, or when, um, yeah, five-year-olds are great. Yeah, five yeah. five year olds. Yeah, that's around that around that age. That, I think yeah, I think a couple of the five year olds were sort of working at second and third level. Um, yeah. Uh, some of the things that you know, <laughs> one of the things I I was writing down about um, when he was talking about the five year old horses it was sort of the use proper use of the whip, and I don't think a lot of us really think about that too too much. I know I carry a whip in my hand all the time, and I probably don't use it properly according to Carl, (laughs) but, um, just, you know, using the whip only when you're looking for a forward reaction of the horse. And, um, you know, I, I probably use my whip for more than that. And I, I should, I shouldn't be, you know, and, um, he was really stressing that you really should only be, um, using your whip when, um, you want a reaction, a forward reaction from your horse. And when you get that forward reaction, you praise and you use the whip for nothing else, which was, you know, I never really thought about it too much. I, I probably use the whip for, you know, some negative things too, like when I get frustrated. <laughs> and, you know, so just really to, to step, step that back and to not always ride with your, your whip, you know, ride with it and then put it down and um, maybe get used to not riding with it. So, um, yeah, and just using it when, when needed and to only yeah. get the forward reaction of the mm-hmm. horse and then, and then that's it. So that was a yeah, little I think, something that I, I glean. Yeah, I think use it when needed and also make sure it served the purpose. 
right? right. Because if, yeah. if you're not getting a reaction for it, then what's the point of doing it at all? And you're not training the horse in the right way. Also, you know, mm-hmm. like don't tap, don't tap and then get nothing and then just carry on, you know, and just the, the horse becomes very dead to it and very, you know, and, and it is a training tool and it's for a purpose and, mm-hmm. and it has to serve that purpose. Otherwise, you might yeah. as well not have it. I think that's, you know, that's a good point about about whip usage or, or anything that you do. I mean, if you don't get a reaction, you have to follow it up a little bit, and, you know, and, and right. keep training the horse to to be responsive to all of the aids. Mm-hmm. And I think, well, I mean, I, you know, I, I'm sort of to blame for um, sort of nagging, little nagging and not getting the reaction that, that I want and then just maybe letting it go, you know, rather than, you know, use the whip, get the reaction that you want, the forward reaction that you want, praise the horse and then carry on, you know, rather than little nagging, nagging and, you know, maybe letting things go when you shouldn't. So yeah, I, I thought that was a a really great thing for my mind, you know, and I'm not always holding the whip now. I'm putting it down for a little bit and then getting it back. And, you know, it just teaches me more the importance of the whip and, and, um, you know, when to use it and which, what it should be used for. Yeah. So, yeah. Really good. Great little tool for me. Yeah. Yeah. And I also, I, I also took a lot of, I, you know, um, right now working on level three with my horse and the changes are, you know, something that I've started with and, uh, and showed the last season in level three and sometimes got them, sometimes didn't. And so we spent a lot of time on working on some of these, uh, third level horses and then the five and six year old horses, you know, talking about the changes and, um, you know, what you're looking for, um, when to ask and all of those things. And that was, uh, you know, that was great for me. Um, thinking about, you know, pushing through the ears on your changes. That was a nice little sort of visual for me and, um, and that the changes should always be, um, a forward, you know, uh, a forward transition or not really yeah. a transition, but yeah, it, um, it, it, it can be a transition. It's a, for, you know, it's a moment of energy and, and, uh, you know, and, and something should happen. I think that's kind of the idea yeah. of a transition is that, you know, you're not going to wait, you, you know, if, if you ask for something and the horse doesn't do it, you, you, you can't wait around for that thing to happen. It has to happen when you ask and, and in a, in a correct forward way. Rather than we see a lot of horses that kind of jump up and down or wait until they're ready, you know, like you give the aid and then the horse goes, oh, I'm not ready, you know. So I think working on, you know, timing has to be a very good big part of it and an expression of energy has to be a big part of it because right. if, yeah. if the horse doesn't go forward, I mean, then then you aren't actually going to get a change with, you know, with the with the legs doing what they're supposed to. So I think that's... Uh, right. That, that can be a, a and good I love thing. The, I love the exercise, and he did it with with uh, quite a few of the riders. Actually, the exercise along the long side, where um, you did three or four uh, canter strides in a nice forward, um, a nice forward canter, and then um, you had more expression in your change with uh, without you know with with a reduction of tension, and then there would be a collection, and then there would be three or four collected steps or strides and then into a more forward stride into the change and then back into a collective stride. So I, I, I love that little exercise and I've been practicing, not always getting it, but <laughs> trying it and, uh, you know, just to try and reduce some of the tension and get that sort of nice forward canter, um, into your change, which is, uh, it was a great little exercise. So I'm looking yeah, I, I thought, it, I thought it was interesting that, yeah, sorry. I, 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 I'm going to talk about the same exercise, but I thought it was interesting about how the counting was involved even in the beginning of that kind of thing. So, uh, like you said, there was a, you know, you come out of the corner, 
um, you collect for a stride or two, and then you and then you count three strides or four strides or however you want. Three strides forward, mm-hmm. change, collect out of the change, and then count again. Three strides and like like mm-hmm. there was a real emphasis on on some of the counting, even as you're introducing the changes. So it's not just go forward and and do the change whenever it's like right. i'm gonna do on on, on the third whenever. beat yeah right and then it doesn't <laughs> happen whenever it's kind of it's more organized so i thought that was really really good because i think even uh as a professional like i kind of wait 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 till i get the canter feeling right but it's like mm-hmm. no it's got to do on the counting and then the transition to tempi changes it would be a lot easier um you know, because the counting's already be, been introduced. So, you, you know, you're not doing multiple mm-hmm. changes. You just, like, collect, and then you say, okay, from this, I, you know, you create the right collection. From this collect, collected canter, I'm going to go forward a few strides, or four, five. You know, it doesn't matter how many it is, but then you decide, then I change, right? Not, not just, mm-hmm. I'm going to go forward until whenever, you know, some ambiguous thing. Mm-hmm. So I thought it was it was right. good to have it organized, <laughs> and, and, mm-hmm. and I can see how that leads towards um, you know, better tempies and then you do the change nice and forward and then right away collect again and, and wait yeah. until you have the collection and then count another few strides and, and, you know, do another one or whether you're coming across the diagonal, it's, it's, you know, it's very organized. So I thought that was really kind yeah. of handy and, no, and, a, and good. Yeah, it was a really great, like, well-organized little exercise because I know I'm so, I'm so excited when I get, get the change. Yeah. <laughs> so what happens, I'm so happy and I'm celebrating this. Oh, I got the change. And, you know, yes. in, in the two strides that I'm celebrating, my horse is like, you know, dove his head down and is, uh, yeah, you know, digging China, as, as Carl would call it, you know, and then you've lost it. So it's just, you know, it's, it's having that nice expressive forward forward canter change collect and then you know and then moving forward again without you know celebrating how excited you are about your change and letting <laughs> completely fall apart after which which you know philip i do all the time i'm just so happy you're not the only one. <laughs> oh my goodness yeah oh, that's a that's a everybody <laughs> <laughs> So, anything else? I mean, just moving up through the levels, um, St. George like versus... Third, like third level. Well, I liked... Um, he did tons and tons of shoulder and exercises, which, you know, are important from second level right up until Grand Prix, which was great, you know, and working a lot on um, shoulder and on the quarter line, um, you know, away from the wall. And, um, and also another little tidbit that I picked up w- with the shoulder in is as you're coming along the short side and around the corner... Um, make it like you are um, going to do a diagonal when you ride out of the corner. And that sort of establishes your nice angle for your shoulder in. And to look at, if you're coming around the corner, to look at C or A, depending on which corner you're in, and focusing um, your vision on C or A as you do your shoulder in along the, uh, along the long side. Um, and that's really sort of helped me. I don't know, I think I'm always looking straight ahead and that sort of affects you know, the angle of my shoulder in. And just now that I'm working on, as he said, to look at the center of your long side of A or C, and it really helps to establish a really nice um, a nice angle for your shoulder in. So that was a great little tidbit that, that I really liked. Um, yeah, I think it, yeah, yeah. that's great. I think if you look down the wall too much, you actually end up losing your hind legs. You ride too much of a, right. um, as of a leg yield, you know? So... I think you just have to press the hind leg a little bit under the horse's body, but try not to get the hind legs 
you know, really crossing or, or getting that inside hind leg over the center of the horse's gravity because then you actually do a detriment to their balance and, and to the purpose mm-hmm. of the, the bending in the exercise, right? And, and a lot of horses do that to get out of, you know, the correct bend and, and to get out of really working because, you know, too much angle and the horse gets very, you know, it stays very straight and, and um, yeah. you know, so, you know, uh, it, it's part of the training, you know, where, where you come from second or sorry, first level and you're doing leg yield and then the, the trainer says, okay, now just point the horse across in the arena and put your inside leg on. And the horse does yeah. try and do leg yield. I mean, this, but uh, you know, as you develop it and, and like you said, it develops all the way through the levels, you develop a better understanding of bending the horse and, and not crossing the hind legs, but actually activating the inside hind leg, uh, towards mm-hmm. the center of gravity, gravity, sideways and underneath i think and if the horse's hind leg goes to crossing you don't get it underneath and and that can be a huge problem uh in in trying to develop your your collection or maintain your collection and keeping everything kind of lined up and and right. and together for the yeah, horse staying, so. in, staying in self-carriage you know because i find i yeah. always tend to as soon as i make that angle i tend to lose my self-carriage and my rhythm and you know and it just gets short and choppy and not not Terrible. beautiful and elastic, right? <laughs> not right? beautiful, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, that's normal. <laughs> yep, yes. that's oh, a I normal know. normal problem. <laughs> but it's nice in a clinic situation to see it demonstrated and so to see uh, the change that a rider can make in a horse. Um, now, the professional riders always always make it look really you know simple and easy. You know, Carl says, "Oh, just reduce the angle and press forward a little bit more." Then the rider yeah. just does it. But <laughs> I, th- I think that's the purpose of having professionals is that you want to see the cha- you know the difference demonstrated. And yes, we always feel a little bit bad when they're like, "Oh, they just do that," and then you know you go home and you try it like, "Oh, right. well, that didn't really work," or or whatever it is. But I think <laughs> I think that's very very helpful. You know, it's like you want you want to see it done maybe a little bit incorrectly and then correctly right. um, to give you a, a yeah, picture. Of course, everybody was so coachable. I mean, yeah. I mean, when I, when I came home and I was so excited to try all these things and of course it never, it never works out the way when you see, you know, <laughs> some of our top Canadian riders going, you think, okay, I can do that. And then you get home I got it. and you try and it just doesn't, it just doesn't work out the same. And then you get frustrated and, you know, you try and tone it down a notch and tone down your expectations and a, a notch. Yeah. And, that's uh, it. Yeah. But, sure. <laughs> that's normal too. <laughs> yeah. Oh, for sure. So any, anything else are we going to, yeah. Is there any more exercises or, or things that we can talk about? Oh, exercises. Well, you know, it's funny when I, when I got home, my daughter, um, who's a rider, she's a, a jumper and, uh, she said, you know, what did you learn on your course? And then she said, no, actually just tell me the one thing that you, you know, the one thing that was the best. And uh, it was hard for me to sort of narrow it down. And uh, so I started telling her all this stuff. She goes, no, mom, just tell me one thing that kind of <laughs> stuck with you that you're going to, you know, that you're going to love enjoying training with. And I said, you know, one thing that he kept saying that I, and I and it just seems so simple, but that all of your transitions should be forward. He said that over and over mm-hmm. again. And, and yes, I mean, you I guess you always think of your up transitions as being forward, but you don't really think of your down transitions as being forward. And to start thinking of that, to me, really made a big difference, sort of always pushing forward with my hands, even in my down transitions, um, that they should be forward. And that, I don't know, maybe it's just, it's, it would seem so basic, but also so true and something that I guess you really don't think about too much. Maybe I didn't think about it 
enough, but I don't know, maybe that's common sense for you guys, but it, just for me, it's... No. <laughs> No, I think, yeah, true, no, you know? I think that's. I think that's something. I t- actually, with with my big horse, that is one of the hardest things is a forward tra- canter to trot transition. I think school that thing every day, and it is really <laughs> difficult with my horse because he really wants to drop the hind legs. And um, you know, in the intermediate one, which is what we're doing, it's right in front of the judge, so it is yeah. right there <laughs> at the very end of the almost the very end of the test. So. Yeah, that's a tough one. I mean, you, yeah, I know. So I, I, I'm living that dream right now. Every day, Andrea, I practice that. So I think that's a that's a really important one, actually. That's a yeah. good one. Well, I just, I, I'm always thinking of, of being forward on my up transitions. Always, you're thinking, okay, you know, I'm going to trot to canter or walk to trot or whatever. But I just never think forward on my down transitions. And you need to, or it's going to look halted and stilted and you know and not Mm -hmm. and not elastic and and free and uh, you know you see it happen you see the the beautiful transitions that the grand prix riders and the upper level riders make when they're um in their down transitions and it just looks like they're floating from from one transition to the next and and um and you like you know i i want to i want to try that i want to be able to do that but just having that in the back of your mind thinking of being forward really helps and you know i don't know maybe i just think they that they're better maybe they don't really look that, they don't look better <laughs> but to me they felt better just just sort of having that thought in my head to think forward when i'm when i'm coming down down transitions which you know it just they seem softer and smoother to me so you can Good. tell me philip on the weekend uh, whether or not yeah, actually yeah we're gonna, we're gonna find out we're gonna yeah. find out but i was just gonna say as far as the training perspective you know everybody can really nail, the, you know, kind of the walk, trot, canter transitions when they're training, training level and first mm-hmm. level. And then what happens? We go uh, into second level and now we've got canter to walk. And everybody gets really mm-hmm. focused on making those sharp and obedient. Mm-hmm. And that's where yeah. the stilted part of the training comes in. Because now, you know, now you think, okay, and you've got to, you know, kind of be really sharp about your trot to halt. Um, center lines, you know, and, and they're okay. I got to, you know, nail it and get that horse immobile. And and what happens? Right. They forget to say, okay, right, I've established at. that, <laughs> and now I've got to go back to being soft and a little bit more forward and smooth. They get stuck on that point of okay, you got to, you know, you got all this energy in the canter. You got to shorten the canter, then you got to walk, and then you got to canter off again. You know, then everybody's mm-hmm. always, you know, they take their hands back. They take and, then, and they never get back to training the forward softness again. So I think that's real, really. You know, super common problem. Um, just the way that the training is, and the way that the tests are set up, and the way that you have to develop the horse, and and uh, and so I you know after you train a few, you get used to the idea that oh, you know, of working up the scale and and how to make the horse obedient, but also bring the energy back to it, and and bring the forward light smooth, uh, smooth as silk transitions back to it. So that's a, that was a really good mm-hmm. point. One of the things yep. he was having people practice when they were doing these sort of, you know, always thinking of always being forward in their down transitions is not to use the reins um, in your down transitions. Mm-hmm. Like he was having people um, go from, a, you know, a walk to a halt or a trot and not use the reins. Like push the reins forward and have the half halt or any of your down transitions come from just your seat. And, um, you know, people are always wanting to at least even hold the hands, but he wanted you to push your hands forward and make the trot or the down transition comes mm-hmm. fully from your seat, which is really hard to do. Really mm-hmm. hard to do. Really hard to do. Because, <laughs> <laughs> so you know, you're, you're just always tempted to do the half halt with a little bit of a, 
you know, a little, at least squeeze with your reins or hold or something. I mean, not pull back, but, um, you know, to do, to, just to try and even go from a trot to a walk, which I tried a whole bunch of, bunch of times this week without the reins at all, like pushing the reins forward and having, like my horse was very confused, but, um, <laughs> we did get, we did get it, but it's really hard to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah you gotta be strict and you gotta be strict with yourself. Right. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. So, I just thought I'd tap into a little bit of your physio if you had any takeaways from, you know, kind of rider position or the rider's use of their body, you know, how that how that was working because we got to see so many um, great professionals who actually all, I, you know, I was trying to notice that how they all ride a, a little bit differently. And, and, and was there anything that, that you took away from that or um, um, any ideas? You know, I was really, I'm always sort of very attentive to... Um, uh, rider biomechanics and um, and position, uh, leg position, seat position, back position, shoulder position. I'm always very sort of, uh, you know, very closely watching uh, the mechanics of, of the rider. Um, you know, the, the young rider from the UK, uh, Rebecca Edwards, I believe her name was, just her biomechanics were absolutely perfect. I hate to use the word perfect, but um, she was such an elegant, beautiful rider um, and so quiet. And, uh, so, you know, that, to me, watching her ride was like, the, you know, um, the benchmark for, uh, bio, rider biomechanics. You know, she had the perfect ear, shoulder, hip, ankle alignment. Um, you know, she had her, her hip angle was, you know, 45 degrees to 50 degrees, which was, you know, in a great sort of leg position. Um, yeah, so I, I'm sort of very, not critical, but I'm always sort of watching, assessing rider uh, biomechanics and uh, seeing if I can see their aids. You know, if the aids are really quiet, um, you know, I love to see that. To, to me, that's an elegant rider is when you can't see the aids happening. When you watch Charlotte ride, you can't see the aids. It just She just is so quiet and um, and there's not a lot of upper body movement too. I like to see sort of um, not a lot of sway in the trunk. Um, when I'm watching a rider. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there wasn't, I mean, certainly all the top riders had excellent biomechanics and, um, but yeah, that's kind of what I'm analyzing when I'm watching a rider and see if, 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 if it's a leg, you know, when the leg is a little bit out of position, does that make a, a, a change in, in the horse and, and their ability to sort of move forward or, or come back in their transition. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I thought uh, of, of all the riders, certainly the biomechanics of uh, that young uh, um, British rider, Rebecca Edwards, was, it was perfect. Excellent. It was beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Great. That's what we're going Great. for every you know, day. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly, right? I mean, that, putting the mirrors in my arena, I put uh, mirrors up in our arena about a year ago, and it's really helped me focus on my position. And, you know, every... Every now and then, as I come around, I'm just having a look, and I see my right arm sticking out, and uh, you know, constantly self-correcting um, my biomechanics, and in hopes that by correcting my biomechanics and trying to make my aids as small as possible, um, you know, it, it will be a better picture, but it'll also be more effective in uh, transmitting that energy to to the horse and getting them to um, produce better movement. So. Yeah, you know, yeah, that's the idea, right? That's the idea. Yeah, exactly. Great. 
Yeah. Great. Well, Andrea, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show and, and giving us your perspective and get reminding me of all the great exercises and tips and tools that we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna be working on and, and using in the future. I was just really jealous I didn't get to go with you guys. It sounded like an amazing opportunity and yeah, something really fun and it sounded like he was he was a really cool cool guy to listen to. So very you fun. Know what? I, I could have the, the it was eight hours and it was amazing that you know, I mean we broke for lunch, but the man stood and trained for eight hours and I was mesmerized the entire time. He's um <laughs> not only like a master um, but he's charming and funny, and uh, it was just such a pleasure to to watch him work. And uh, and he, you could just tell that he derives so much joy in um, in teaching and training. And uh, yeah, it was it was a great weekend. I wish you would have been there too, Reese. Yeah, I know. <laughs> we'll have to. We'll have to. Hopefully, he'll come to Florida. <laughs> we can make Phil jealous. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> oh, I love it. All right. Yes, well, I Andrew, love you it. have yourself a wonderful evening. Thank you again. Oh, it was my pleasure, and it was nice to talk with both of you, and I'm looking forward to seeing you in a couple of months, Reese. Sounds great, Andrea. Me too. <laughs> All right. Take care. Well, Phil, we've got a great tip from you from the Carl Hester Clinic, but we wanted to just tell you guys a little bit about that Stretch Tech Shoulder Relief Girth. Uh, I love this girth. I use it on my big horse, and it really, really has changed. He was a little bit girthy, and I changed and put this girth on, and it sits so well in the horse's natural uh, girth groove, and it it's uh, flexible in the middle. So I think for a lot of the guys that were asking them to lift up their chest, uh, this is really, really nice. It's, it makes breathing easier. It's a soft contact with the sternum. Uh, so it uh, has an interchangeable liner system and you can use neoprene, la- leather, and a wool fleece is coming soon. Uh, I personally use the neoprene. I think neoprene. The, wool fleece, the wool fleece is out there, Reese. I think you can order it today oh, if you like. Wait, I love it. But oh, yeah. yeah, I, use, I like... personally use the neoprene one. Which one do you use, Phil? I also use the neoprene one. I, as the, the the leather um, liner is really nice. I always feel like, oh, you know, I just want to kind of reserve it for horse shows or <laughs> when the horse, horse clinics either. and stuff. <laughs> yep. So uh, I kind of like that idea that they're very interchangeable. And, you know, uh, if if it, if the neoprene starts to get a bit worn, I can replace that instead of replacing the entire girth, which I think is amazing because uh, a lot of times, um, you know, kind of the, the, the girth wears out. And it's a lot, you know, in its different parts without actually, mm-hmm. and then you have to go out and buy a brand new one. This one is great yeah. because it's just the liner right? and, and, and that's all you need to replace. So mm-hmm. that's, uh, I think, yeah. you know, you'll have the, this girth for a very, very long time, much, much longer than the, than just the straight leather ones. No, it's absolutely right. And we put these girths through, uh, through a lot of work every day and, and really just replacing the liner is, is super easy. So I hope everybody takes a look at totalsaddlefit.com and takes a look at that stretch tech shoulder relief girth. That's another one of the fantastic products that Justin has. And as always, if you have any questions, Justin at Total Saddle Fit is the way to go. So, um, but Phil, tell us, you've got a great tip uh, that you picked up at the clinic, at the Carl Hester Clinic. So Go for it, my friend. Well, I, yeah, I don't know if it's well. I guess it's a tip, but um, Carl Hester talked about, you know, Charlotte Dujardin's uh, quote that he said that it's kind of got a little bit misconstrued or misquoted where she has said. And I think everybody's kind of heard this that you know that short reigns win medals, and he said, well, that's you know that's true, but it's it's not really the the point. 
you know, to have, you know, everybody tightening up on the reins. And, and, and what he said is, is what he really, you know, what should be mentioned in this is, is that people should ride with uh, forward hands, hands that are almost always, well, that are always in front of the saddle. So, and, and, you know, and to maintain, when your hands are forward to maintain contact, you should have the correct rein length to, uh, to, to maintain contact with the horse's mouth, that you don't just shove your hands forward and then the horse is out there flailing on no contact, or, you know, able to bring, bring his head up or just to lose the balance, I think. And, and so that kind of made a, a lot more sense to me. He says, you know, too many riders ride with these long reins where the hands are, you know, into their stomach or into the saddle or across their thighs. You know, I think we've all kind of seen examples of, the, uh, of this kind of riding. And then he says, the horses, when ridden that way, aren't encouraged to go forward and aren't encouraged to step you know, into the bridle, they're always being ridden, you know, um, from front to back. And, and, you know, so the, the, the short reins wins medals is a good idea of, you know, having the hands forward. But if you just, you know, take really short reins and pull your hands back to your body, then you, you're achieving a, a worse effect. You know, it's almost better to have long reins, um, you know, long reins with your hands back instead of, you know, really, it's not about tight reins. It's not about, uh, horses with very short necks it's not about horses with their noses in, going in, into their chest all the time and so he said he you know that when he's doing these clinics he's trying to clarify that all the time because people maybe got a little bit the the wrong message or the wrong I, I, idea about you know short reins wins medals. so i thought that was interesting and a good mm-hmm. a good chat a good discussion you know about that point and and i think that's anything if if you know, if you just yeah. take one sentence out of every, any conversation, you can use it however you want, right? Instead of really thinking about um, context of the lessons and, and, and context of, about that, just that it's kind of a short quip about, about dressage riding. So um, I really like that because it, you know, clarifies things a little bit. And, uh, and of course, it's a great message to, you know, try and push the horse to the bridle, push your hands away from your body so the horse is free to go forward and to move and, and, you know, to be in self-carriage and to be light and to, to get the nose in front of, you know, all these things that we talk about every week, I think, um, comes, comes with that message. So Mm -hmm. I thought it was really great. I thought I'd bring it onto the show so that we can, you know, uh, include this to all of our listeners who have probably already heard that short reigns wins medals. Wins medals. (laughs) Yeah. So that's great. For sure. Good job. Yeah, no, for sure. And we actually use that, uh, statement and, and we usually say it, pretty close to when someone's going down the center line and that's the thing is people typically get their reins really long um but that yeah, idea that it's not try, yeah and trying to ride a little bit back you know backwards back, you yeah know, leaning back too far leaning back to you know we can see yeah. charlotte that she really actually sits up to the horse and yes and, and gets uh gets her balance that way and then has the right rein length for the hand position instead of mm-hmm. you know the other way around the position right. and then you know so i think it's yeah. great so we'll cool. think about that as we ride around this weekend in lots of circles. Yes, I love it. <laughs> well, everybody, as always, your emails and Facebook shout-outs, we love them. Keep them our, coming our way. Um, and you can find our show notes and links to today's guests on our website, dressageradio.com. Like us on Facebook, just search Dressage Radio Show. Follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio. My website is maplecrestfarmky.com. And always feel free to email me at reese at horseradionetwork.com. I think the best way to find me if you're looking is on Facebook or my email is philip at horseradionetwork.com. I'd like to thank our sponsors this week for allowing us to put on a great show. And don't forget to check out all the other shows on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com.
Everybody, keep your heels down and your shoulders back, and we will talk to you in two weeks. Looking forward to it. Thank <laughs> you.